Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 28th of November 2007 when West Brom beat Plymouth Argyle 2-1. He was there and so was I. How are you, Steve? I'm good. I went off. Yes, I was there. Um, it seems like ages since since I've spoke to you like, like this, though. Yeah, so uh, that was a Roman Bednar double, uh, which won us that game. It has been a while. I have to start the podcast off with a little bit of an apology. We've had, to say we've had um, difficulties trying to get a podcast out would be an understatement. So firstly, uh, the laptop that has been on its last legs for quite a while finally gave up. Um, and then I haven't been very well either. As you can probably tell my voice sounds a little bit croaky. So anyway, it's been difficult. But we wanted to get a podcast out today. I also have to apologise for the audio because, like I said, we want to get a podcast out. Steve currently hasn't got a laptop to work with, so he's using his phone. So the audio won't be as good as usual, but hopefully people, you know, I think it's acceptable. Um, but yeah, so we've got loads to talk about. Um, that's the other reason I think we wanted to do a podcast was because just so much stuff's happening that uh, our beloved Albion and unfortunately not much of it good. So let's jump into the games first. Um, I don't want to spend too much time because obviously it's a little bit of old news, but let's talk about the Swansea game. Lost 3-2. Um, really, really strange game. Um, we conceded after six minutes as usual uh, and then Livermore equalised. Um, I think it was just after half time, and then um, went we went two one up. Dean Garner scored a nice goal, thinking oh we might actually win the game, but no, West Brom um, conceded to make it two two. And then I think Colin Grant missed a penalty to make it through. Would have made it three two to ourselves, but he missed it. Um, and then uh, Oberfemi scored in the 89th minute to seal the win for Swansea. I think after this game, most people expected Bruce to go. He didn't. So before we move on to the Preston game, what was your thoughts on the Swansea one? Well, just to address that last point first, um, I didn't. I, I'm not. I didn't expect Bruce to go after that game, and the reason that I didn't expect him to go is, I believe probably that they already know that he's not going to go without a payoff. This is my my opinion. Uh, and I, don't, I honestly don't think that they've got the spare cash hanging around to pay him off and, and the entourage. Um, there, there are rumours abounding on Twitter about what's going on, of course. Uh, but I just feel like, personally, um, it's a situation that... Um, He's not just going to walk away by mutual consent. Um, I think he's, and with some justification, uh, I'm not saying his results have justified his actions, um, but he, if he is holding out for uh, some sort of remuneration, uh, which presumably was negotiated by his agent in the contract, um, I don't think we can really expect him to just walk away by mutual consent, whether he's effective whether he's had the desired effect or not um i just i'm just i suppose i'd really challenge anybody in the same situation to be prepared to just walk away um bearing in mind he got contractual uh, obligations and so has the club so i I would i didn't as a result of that it's a bit of a diatribe i know but i just didn't expect him to just walk away 
I just didn't expect him to be in charge. I thought they'd have sacked him. But anyway, let, before we talk about Bruce, because we'll, I'm sure we'll spend <laughs> a good chunk of time on this podcast talking about him. What did you make of the Swansea game in isolation? It was another one of these games where we just didn't start. We we have an ability in an inability to start a game on the front foot. Um, I mean, we were we were one nil down within seven minutes, I think. Um, was it in the sixth minute? And yeah, I just thought, right. well, it, it, there we go. It, it, we're abysmal. I mean, and when you look at the goal, you know, first of all, you got you got uh, David Button uh, pretending to be. Um, Ben Foster by tipping that one over the bar. Superb save, absolutely brilliant. A reflex save and from short uh, a short term distance. Uh, and I thought, blimey, after all that criticism, that's what he does. And then, within two minutes, he's just got underneath the ball, not seen the flight of it at all. It sailed over him, and it's. I think it's gone in off the Swansea player's chest. So. Yeah. It's just a comedy of errors that they are absolutely abysmal at the back, um, and and Button just inspires no confidence at all in whoever uh, of whatever position is actually playing centre half for us at the moment. Um, so you know that that first goal was just so deflating, absolutely huge blow uh, to a team in our um, in our situation. Then. Then Livermore um, calmly slots in um, a side foot equaliser, which uh, which surprised me because I expected it to go into about row H, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Only row uh, but, H? I thought row Z. Well, you know, it was a side foot, so I thought probably row H rather than row Z. Because um, <clears throat> that's where they normally end up from from him, don't they? But uh, to be fair to him, he, he did it calmly. And I thought, now, that's that's a captain's goal. That is steady the ship when we uh, when we needed it most. Um, and then after that, we 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 were well. We seemed to be in the the ascendancy to me. We seemed to be the better side, although uh, they were always dangerous dangerous on the break. Um, but anyway, um, we go two one up. Uh, Grady again, a nice finish actually. Um, and I thought to myself, blimey, you know, at last we. Um, we, we're going to capitalise on a little bit of, uh, of ascendancy. Um, uh, and then, of course, well, after that, it all goes to Rasbridge, really, didn't it? Uh, they'd, got, they'd got two players there on the pitch who could score their second and their third goal. Um, that we haven't, we haven't got those players. We haven't got those strong, determined players to pick up the ball well outside the box and just drive into it. And score those sorts of goals, or just drive drive into the edge of it. The first one was uh, was well up the corner, but again, and again, uh, uh, perhaps I'm hypercritical, but Button goes down in stages uh, to me. But it was right up the corner. It went in off the post, and I, I'm I'm willing to cut him uh, sort of like three inches of slack um, for the second one. Uh, then, of course, um, it's it's two two, and we get a penalty. As soon as I knew that it was Grant who was going to take that penalty and because he just grabbed the ball, I thought, you know what? I'm not confident now. And the penalty was an embarrassment. The penalty was 
the, pe the penalty of an arrogant, arrogant man. It was what on earth you when we are in the situation like we are, where we are desperate for three points. How you try and penenka the goalkeeper in that set of circumstances speaks reams for me about the individual. I thought it was awful. Um, I just cannot fathom how you can, why he didn't just pick a side and really put his foot through it so that at, at least then if the goalkeeper had saved it, everybody would have said, blimey, brilliant save. Uh, you know, you don't take better penalties than that and the goalkeeper said. But the way he did that was inviting criticism uh, and he's got it. So he deserved it as well. And then, of course, that third goal that they scored right at the death, well, pretty much at the death because there was a fair amount of uh, injury time. Injury time. Um, that, again, we haven't, got a, we haven't got a player in our squad that can do that. I mean, you know, there's a rumour that DK can, uh, can do that sort of thing, but I don't know. It's only a rumour. I mean, I'm not convinced he's uh, he's going to play for us ever again. At the moment, it's it, it just seems like it's going on forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, three two loss. Uh, just at the time that we had the opportunity to um, to recoup something from a from a dissolving season, uh, and we just threw it away. Yeah. Before we move on to the Preston game, I do want to um, address a couple of points in the Swansea game, and you mentioned the penalty. Uh, not only was it an absolutely horrendous penalty, um, but I was surprised that Brandon Thomas Asante wasn't taking it. He slotted a, a great penalty against Birmingham. Grant, he misses penalties. He's not a particularly good penalty taker. So that then points me back to Steve Bruce of why is he not saying, no, Grant, you're not taking the penalty. BTA is taking the penalty. And and yes, it also does point to Grant as the arrogance because not only does he sort of take the ball off Brandon Thomas Asante to take the penalty, it's an absolutely woeful penalty. And and you you correctly pointed out, in a team in position like positions like us, we need players to step up to the plate, to work hard, to, you know, really fight for the team and and, and scrap to get us out of this position. Well, Colin Grant's the exact opposite. He doesn't contribute anything. He there's no build-up play. There's no passing. There's no quick runs. There's nothing. And that penalty was just a disgrace. So, yeah, I concur. Um, I do want to move on to the game that we uh, we played last night. Uh, we're recording this on the sixth of October. I forgot to timestamp it at the start. So first I want to talk about the starting lineup. So Steve Bruce made quite a few changes. Uh, Alex Palmer in goal, finally. Um, for whatever reason, Bruce decided that Burton wasn't good enough, but it's took him, I don't know, like two months after everybody else to realise he wasn't good enough. Uh, TGH plays right back. Uh, Martin Kelly moves into the uh, defence and Connor Townsend moves back to left back and Peters is dropped. And then the midfield, uh, Malumbi and Yakushli return to the starting lineup, dropping Livermore. Uh, our three attack midfielders stay the same. And Steve Bruce um, deemed that after Colin Grant's terrible display against Swansea and the missed penalty, that he, for some reason, deserves a starting lineup berth instead of BTA, which I just found baffling. I felt like it was. You take one step forward with Bruce and about eight steps back because he makes the good decision of putting Palmer in. But then every other decision, I was thinking, why has he done that? That doesn't make any sense. 
Um, so before we go on to the actual body of the game, what when you saw that starting lineup, what what did you think? Well, I felt very similarly to the way you did. Uh, initially, I thought, well, is he rotating? Because we've got a run of uh, quite a serious run of games coming up, as as, as everybody's aware. Um, it's really compressed, and um, and I thought, is he rotating? And then I thought to myself, right, well, if he's rotating, that means he's confident that he's going to be in charge for those games. Because if he wasn't confident that he was going to be in charge for those games, he would have picked what he believes to be his absolute strongest side to win. Um, but as it was, it didn't, it, when I looked at it, it didn't look like his strongest side. Um, I was surprised, if I'm honest, that there were two defensive midfielders um, in there because what we desperately need is I, I know we can't defend and, and I know we, we are vulnerable to um, to it will basically to anybody except Hull and um, and I think what we need to do now is we need to go for we need to start scoring goals because if we concede one and it's always possible to concede a goal, and we're proving that game after game, um, then what we need to do is start hitting the back of the net. We need more creativity. There's a problem with our team. There's a hole in it, which means that we do not create opportunities in the right place. Uh, we're not creating enough opportunities in the penalty area. We're not, once a, last season was the same. We're not driving into the box enough. When when Grady does it and did it um, in the previous game against Swansea, he scored a goal. Um, and then the other, the only other way it looks like is is if we're going to take a dead ball, and we don't score direct from them, but after a little bit, the ball comes out and we might score one. We we're not doing the we're not doing the creative stuff inside the penalty area. We haven't got people who've got the the nous or the courage or whatever it is to be getting into the box and, and getting penalties. Although, of course, in this game, subsequently, um, we should have another another penalty, but but we didn't. Uh, wonderful EFL referees again. Um, so I looked at it and I thought, this is, this is not a good selection. Um, what we need to do is we need to get out there and just sweep somebody before us again like we did against Hull you know I'm not I'm not being arrogant when I say that but that's that's what we need to do because confidence is so low it needs to it needs to increase um so you know I wasn't I wasn't impressed you know BTA should be in there um unless he's injured week in week out to me because the effort and the application and the getting in the penalty area um it hits him that does it Grant offers nothing um, unless he gets a penalty and actually scores it or he gets a, an opportunity on a plate. And once again, he got one of them uh, in this game uh, and he couldn't finish it. So I just fail to see what contribution Grant makes under, this, under the present circumstances. So I was disappointed with the, uh, with the line-up, mate, I think, in short. Yeah, I think that's uh, a fair comment. And then, obviously, moving into the game, we can Palmer made a good save to be fair um, straight away sort of proving that it was a good decision to put him in the team and I must say I don't think he put a foot wrong I know we obviously lost but I thought that he seemed a lot more reassured and 
um, a lot more confident than Button ever does. He looks like a much better goalkeeper. So I don't understand why it took Steve Bruce this long to realise that. Um, so going into the actual game itself, though, I thought um, we were poor, really poor. We had spells of, of you know, where we went on the ascendancy. But the goal we conceded was very, very poor. Um, I want to talk about Taylor Gardner Hitman now. Obviously, he's had a little bit of criticism because he was partly at fault, if not more, for their goal. Um, but for me, he's, I don't think he's a right back. I don't understand why Steve Bruce is persistent with his right back. He played really well at centre midfield last uh, year, last season. So why does why does he think he's a right back? What makes me what makes Steve Bruce think he's a right back? Um, and then going into the the rest of the team, I was surprised that. Um, Livermore was dropped. I know he's he's faced some stick and we've criticised him on the podcast in the past, but played well against Swansea. So I was surprised that he didn't start the game. I don't understand what Yukushlu's done to deserve a starting place. And then obviously we've already mentioned Carlin Grant um, not doing anything to warrant a starting place. And for whatever reason, Brandon Somersante was dropped. And I think you're probably right. He might have been rotating, but the... Frustration for me with this Steve Bruce and rotation is we need to start winning games. You know, we need to start saying, right, we're going to play our best side and do what we can. And if we pick up, you know, a couple of injuries along the way, then we'll have to deal with it. But we need to start getting points on the board. We can't keep rotating for, you know, games that are upcoming because we need to focus on the games that are happening now. Um, I thought second half we were better. First half, we were very, very poor. Second half, we were a bit better. I thought Grady Dean Garner had a very good game. Um, he was our man of the match by a street. Um, besides him, I don't think many people came out with much um, positive positivity. Um, I thought Jed Wallace was okay. I thought he did, you know. But the thing I will say, and I've said this before, is it, 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 we seem robotic with our play. Over and over again yesterday, we're just lumping the ball into the box. Cross, 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 cross. There's no point crossing if you haven't got a striker or anybody that's any good in the air. Well, I just don't is see the point. Not, is this not exactly the criticism that um, Val was subject to? Yes, he was. Yeah, Robotic, repetitive, Yeah, uh, one-track tactics, no plan B. Uh, I know some people don't like that phrase, but no alternatives, no no alternatives for change uh, tactically in the game. It, you know, on, on one hand, we, we've sacked a bloke when we were fifth because he was robotic, because we, we, we'd, we'd only won one game in, in quite a few at the time, and we dropped down to five, fifth from, from top of the table. Uh, and the criticism that we levelled at him or the criticism that was levelled at him by the club uh, to justify his sacking um, doesn't seem to apply to Steve Bruce. Uh, so, but the rotation is ridiculous at this stage in the season with the sort of points we've got on the table and the situation we find ourselves in. It's, it's nothing short of ridiculous. You've got to put your very strongest team out to get three points. Rotation is something that happens to teams who are having a decent run to try and keep keep the ball rolling. Not when you're trying to seek your second win 
of the season in the championship as we are. It's not good enough. Um, so anyway, I think we've addressed the two games. Let's go into um, Uncle Steve's comments. I know that no one really wants to hear from what he's got to say. I know if I'm honest, I don't really either. But he's still our manager for the time being, unfortunately. So anyway, let's but hear we, what. Go we on. need to comment on it, aren't we? Yeah, I suppose so. But anyway, let's see what he's got to say. So he said to WBA.co.uk, I didn't think we deserved the defeat. Again, the talking point will be the fact that we've conceded very, very early and given ourselves a mountain to climb. It's always spoken about for the last week, not conceding early goals. We've been able to give us, we have to be able to give ourselves a chance. There seemed a nervousness to us, even though I swapped half the team. Unfortunately, we've made the same mistakes as we've seen to have done plenty of times this season. After that, I thought we were camped in their half and we had a couple of big chances which we failed to take. We had enough to get something from the game, but unfortunately we didn't, and it's so disappointing. The frustration is there for everybody. I can understand how people feel. We're not, we, we've not got results we've needed, but I still think we're on the right course. I still think we can make a challenge of trying to get up where we want to be, which is, of course, around the playoff places. I'm determined to see it through. So I'm just going to give my reaction first, mate, before I open up the door. And I've got to be honest with you, most of that was just ridiculous. What he said was just ridiculous. So let's 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 review it bit by bit. So I didn't think we deserved the defeat. We were shocking. Yeah, all right, we had a couple of chances. But we were awful, in my opinion. I watched that, watched that game last night and it was really boring. It was just a terrible game to watch. And like I said, it was robotic. And I don't think we did. I think we deserve the defeat by judging on how we played. Preston were compact. They scored their goal and they defended it well. And then he goes into they're on the right course. We're on the right course. What what, what is he talking about? We're third. We're third bottom. We are in the relegation zone with 10 points. We are two points adrift already from... Um, 21st and he's saying I still think we're on the right course and then the, you know he still thinks we can challenge for the playoffs we're going to talk sort of about some of his comments later on in a bit about finishing better than 10th but you have to you have to look at the situation you're in and looking at these comments and what he's saying about oh well you know we're on the right course and I still think we'll challenge for the playoffs and I'm determined to see it through it's it's like he's deluded and the I'm determined to see it through. In my opinion, it's almost like he's stopping for a payday. It's almost like he knows that he's going to get the sack. And he's just stopping for a payday. And that frustrates me because it's well publicised that he had a really big payout from Newcastle. He even admitted in an interview with Radio WM that he's in a fortunate position where he doesn't need to be a manager anymore. He could, you know, go off and retire because he's got plenty of money. Well, if that's the case, then you should have the decency to walk away, to say, you know what, I'm not good enough for this club. I've come in, I've got eight wins in 30 games. I've let's watch this. I have managed this team to drop through it from a rock because, yes, the slide might have been under Val, but Steve Bruce has done an absolutely fantastic job of making sure that slide continued and even sped up. And he's got the audacity to say things like, we're on the right course. I just, I, like I said, I, I know we try and look for the fun 
and the comedy and we try to make it as entertaining and as lighthearted as possible. But when I see a manager like this who's saying these ridiculous things after watching that rubbish that 718 fans had to travel to Preston for to watch, I can't help but just get really frustrated. Anyway, let's let me calm down. What's your thoughts? <laughs> I've got to I've, I've got to say that when I listen to when I listen to the comments of, a, of any manager in this situation, uh, when they are, as the press says, under pressure, I, I look for reasons behind the things that they say, not not just the, not just what they say. Um, so if he's saying that they're on the right track, why is he saying that? Well, he must he must believe, or he, he's saying he he believes. I think that um, they're doing they're doing the right things, but there are circumstances which are getting in the way of wins. Um, well, I don't agree with him. We're not doing the right things. A couple of our players are doing the right things, but others, I'm afraid, aren't. Um, I don't think Grant is is doing is contributing anything to a to a failing team. Um, uh, 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 well, obviously Bartley wasn't, and he's he's actually managed to get himself dropped or injured or a, a combination of the two. Um, but there are more there are there are more players than that that need to be looked at. Um, I just I just don't see that we're creative enough and. It's all right being creative. Like I would say that uh, Wallace is creative. Dean Garner is, is creative, but in a repetitive way, they're doing the same things over and over again. And there's nobody in there to do anything about it. And not only that, but, but um, he's actually picking Grant instead of BTA. Uh, and so you know that there's nobody in there to receive them. So I don't think we're doing, I don't think we're doing the, I don't think we're on the way. I don't think we're, we're, um, we're on the right track at all. Um, so I, I, then I think to myself, I listen to, me, to him say uh, that he's, he's in it for the long haul. He's going to stay. He, he still believes he's the right man for the job. Well, OK, and I'm sure he does believe that because the sort of the sort of bloke he is in the, in the sort of business he is and the experience that he's got, he's not going to say anything else. He's not going to stand up in front of the press and say things like I, I'm a spent force, I'm a squeezed lemon. Um, you know, there's no juice left. He's not going to say I'm, things like that. I'm a rubbish manager. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Yeah, I'm. You know, I, I'm. You know, I've, I've got nothing left to offer. I'm a bag of. He's Does not. He's not. He's not going to come out with that. So again, the reason behind why he's saying that. Well, a he believes it. Um, well, based on statistics, I find that a little bit tough. I don't think he's he's daft. I think he knows that. He can't do anything anymore. He's, he's he's tried everything he can. So the only thing I can think of is he's getting reassurances from the club that um, that he's 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 not going to be sacked. Uh, and I've already addressed why I think that is. But I don't agree. I don't agree with what he says anymore. He's Mr. Cliche. Uh, yeah. it, it's just it's just tech, techno babble. Oh, well, it's not even techno, is it? It's it's just, just cliche babble. babble. Cliche just babble for the for the for the masses. Yeah. I'm, I want to talk about Ron Gourlay in a minute because he ain't escaping criticism, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> amazingly. Uh, we're going to work our way through the entire backroom staff and the uh, the directors by the time we're finished. But no, so um, let's talk about Ron Gourlay. 
and this is the thing that frustrates me with Steve Bruce. Uh, if people ever listen back to our older episodes, we did an episode after Val got sacked and we talked about who might come in to replace him. And I reeled off a ton of names. And then I went, oh, I think you might have reminded me, actually. But I went, oh, and Steve Bruce. And like you said, Ron Gourlay said there was no interview pro. So there was no um, recruitment process. It was, oh, as soon as he got the job as CEO, Steve Bruce, and he was the only person on the shortlist. And I think at the time, a lot of West Brom fans, um, you know, I believe anyway, thought, well, OK, understandable. He's in to steady the ship. And you said you said something similar. You said he's in to steady the ship. And the reason he's got an 18-month contract rather than just a six-month contract is if he does turn things around and we got promoted, he's got a year of Premier League money. He's got a year of in the Premier League with West Brom. So I understand Spot that. I did, I did say that, yes. Yeah. So that's OK. Fair enough. I understand that. Steve Bruce to steady the ship last season, whatever. Because at the time we thought that we were on a slide and he might turn it around. But after the abject failure that was the end of last year, we come up to the summer. Now, I think a lot of people expected Steve Bruce to go. I think they thought, well, the obviously experiment hasn't worked. He's going to go. He didn't. He stayed. Ron Gourlay come out and said, you know, I mean, it's it's actually hilarious banter at this point. But something along the lines of we've got Steve in because he knows how to get results. Yeah, good one, Ron. So, anyway, he keeps him. We signed Wallace. We signed um, Malumbi. We signed Swift. Yukushlu. And I think how I felt at the time was, okay, I don't really want Steve Bruce. I don't think he's an inspiring manager. He's staying. I've got two options here. Either I continue to rail against the machine because... I think it was also, if you listen back to our older episodes, it's pretty blatant. I was a fan of Steve Bruce. But um, I thought, well, there's two options here. Like I said, rail against machine or get on board with it and try and be as supportive and be, a, you know, as I can and and try and support the team and think, well, maybe he'll, he'll do a good job. But anyway, so we all sort of try to get on board with that. And then it's been an abject failure. And now all I do is look back and think, well, what was the thought process in the summer? What was Ron Gourlay thinking? And also, what is Ron Gourlay thinking now? Pretty much everything he has said on his, you know, sort of State of the Union brief in the summer, he hasn't done. You know, the communication that he said when he was hired back in February. Where's the communication? Where is he? I I haven't heard a word from him. There's no reassurance to the fans. It seems in my opinion, like they treat the fans with sort of, what's the word, almost disdain, because it's like, oh, don't need to, to bother talking to, the, to them. I ain't interested. And that's how it feels. Where's, where is he? What's he doing? Because he ain't making the decision to get rid of Bruce. He's quite clearly obviously happy with how Steve Bruce is doing because there's no word of, you know, disgruntlement. There's no, there's no sort of like sacking of Bruce. At what point does Ron Gourlay come into this? And for me, the both of them need to go. They're not good enough. Reading fans warned us about Ron Gourlay and Newcastle fans warned us about Steve Bruce. And we've somehow got to the position now after being, you know, what, eighth in the Premier League less than or eight years ago to being with the pair of them together and the 22nd of the championship. And it is just not good enough. It is not good enough. And they both need to go. Anyway, what's your thoughts, I think, mate? 
I think to be fair, probably the thinking behind the disappearance of Ron Gourlay uh, isn't anything to do with Thanos clipping, clicking his fingers. You don't think he's been abducted by aliens, do you? Because that's been going around recently. Listen, that can happen to the best of us. <laughs> and I think there was something to do, that's something to do with what happened to my computer. <laughs> but that aside, I think probably, um, as I say, Thanos hasn't clicked his fingers. I think what's happened is that he doesn't want to say anything because whatever he does say gets old very quickly. Um, like that, that instance that you said, Oh, Steve, Steve Bruce is, is with us uh, because he knows how to get results. Well, that got old pretty quickly. And, yep. and I think Steve Bruce's fantastic comment about his ambition now is to better <laughs> my one. Well, he originally said my one ambition is promotion, but he well, didn't that mention first, that there was two relegations first. <laughs> that was it, yeah. That was his first, um, his first ambition was, yeah, definitely. But this latest one, um, I think we can bet a tenth. Well, what is that? I mean, surely Ron Gourlay, who, who was probably listening in the wings, just slumped forward uh, in his chair when he heard that. Because there is nothing worse to say to a, to a fan base like ours who's going through the experience like we are, uh, to be told that probably ninth will do. Where do we go from ninth with and and the following season? Uh, we've got no parachute payments, and which which undoubtedly either uh, would be used for other purposes or uh, or we'd or we'd misuse it anyway. So okay, but you don't say something like that. So I honestly think that probably Ron Gourlay is thinking, you know what? I'm going to say nothing. And that's that's what that's the situation we're in. That's the only thing I can think of. It's only my opinion, of course, but I just can't think of any other reason why um, why it'd be the case. See, I'm, I, I said this last week that I'm starting to fear for the future of the club, and you make a good point about parachute payments. You know, this year is our last year of parachute payments. This whole rubbish about you know Gourlay saying, "Oh, it's going to take two to three windows." We're going to have absolutely no budget. By the time that two to three windows has come and gone, you signed Jonathan Swift and Jed Wallace on what is rumoured to be very, very impressive contracts. Where's the money coming from these players? Why is why does you know people like Gourlay and I can only presume this because Steve Bruce is still in the job thinks acceptable to be where we are in the league? We should be trying to push for promotion because if we don't next year financially, I mean. Our owner's probably, you know, loan as much as he could anyway, because that's what he seems to do. But financially, we're going to be hindered even further. So what's all this rubbish about, oh, two to three windows is what we need to look at? It just, oh, it's just, it's, like I said, if I, if I keep on talking about it, it's going to get more and more frustrated. And I, I, you know, I want people to be able to listen to this podcast with headphones on and not and their eardrums don't explode. So it's just, it's abject. It's terrible. Um, I have... I'm quite clearly Bruce out. If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I am hashtag Bruce out, hashtag Gourley out, hashtag lie out. I'm hashtag everyone out. Um, and I just think it's not good enough. So what I want to do is I want to talk about if they were to be sacked, who would come in to replace them? Because, well, not much Gourley. 
Um, but Bruce, if Bruce was to be sacked and, and finally leave, who would you like to come in to replace him? Now I've heard a lot of names mentioned on uh, on social media, and obviously Roy Keane was at the game last night, and so Twitter was a buzz that Roy Keane was going to be the next in the job. But I wanted to sort of say some names that I haven't really heard mentioned much. Uh, I did a little bit of research by myself and looked at managers that I thought might do a good job. Uh, and the two that, well, three actually I came up with. One of them's a bit obvious, but the other two I don't think so. So the first one was Stephen Schumacher. Uh, he's a Plymouth manager. He's 30, 38 years old. And currently, I believe, unless something's changed, Plymouth are actually top of the league in League One. So he's doing a good job there. Uh, he's promoted from assistant, uh, I believe, in the summer to take up the, the role. And he's doing, like I said, he's doing a good job and Plymouth are flying high. And then the other one was Kieran McKenna, who's currently the Ipswich Town Manager. He's an he's an ex uh, Man United coach, and he's thirty six years old. Now the reason I, I picked those two, and then the third one I wanted to bring in is Darren Moore, uh, who's currently at Sheffield Wednesday. Now people will probably just look and say, "Well, all you've done is pick the first, the top three teams from League One," and said, "Well, those managers." But the reason that I wanted to talk about them is because I said this last week: we are in a position now where we have to look at where we actually are. We can't keep hiring these on the way down ex-Premier League managers. We've tried it, it's failed. We've gone through all the merry-go-round managers you can think of. Tony Pulis, Alan Pardew, um, Roy Hodgson, Steve Bruce, the biggest merry-go-round manager going. It's not working. So what we need to do is start to look and and start to rebuild and i was talking to people about this on social media and they were saying well like what's the answer then you know you get rid of bruce and nothing's going to change and all this and what i think we need to do and and john talked about it a couple of podcasts ago saying we need a gary megson type and i can understand where he's coming from obviously people have said well i don't mean gary megson himself but you know, someone who's got that sort of drive, someone who's got that determination. What I want to do when I see a manager of West Bromwich Albion, I want to see someone who's got a vision, who has got determination, who is saying, no, I am going to drag this club up from the scruff of its neck and bring it back into, you know, where it should be. And I think what I'm going to do as a fan, if that happened, would be say, OK, things are probably going to get worse before they got they get better. And we have to accept that, in my opinion. I'm not trying to tell fans how they should feel. Fans are important to how they want to feel. But in my opinion, that's how it, it needs to go. Because we can't just keep trying to look for these quick fixes. Like People talk about Sean Dyche. People talk about managers like that. The only one, I think, who could drop out of the Premier League that would be a great one for us would probably be Steve Cooper because of what he did at Nottingham Forest. I'm not saying that he would come to us. But if he could get, you know, get the job... That'd be brilliant. But what I like about Schumacher, Moore and McKenna is they're, bringing, they're, they're doing well in the league below us. They'd come up to the West Brom and hopefully would see us as a good opportunity for progression and also a good opportunity to turn the club around. And hopefully they'd have that passion and determination so us as fans could look at them and say they're really working hard. All I see with Steve Bruce and all we've seen this entire time is... It's just like, oh, you know, oh, I'll do my best. And he says lovely things. I mean, that's why he's called Uncle Steve. But there's no passion really there. There's no determination. I don't look at Steve Bruce on the sidelines and think, yep, he knows what he's doing and he's going to bring us out of it. All I think of is 
What's he doing as our manager? Whereas I feel like the three names I've mentioned, because like I said, I feel like Sean Dyche and, and others have been talked about already. But I feel like one of those three managers, like I said, if they would, if we could somehow afford them and make the step up to to the to championship, I just feel like somebody young, hungry and wanting to progress is what we need to look for right now. But anyway, what's your thoughts on the names I mentioned? And what's your thoughts on the whole manager pit situation at the moment? You know, would you like a Steve Cooper, Sean Dyche, or would you like someone different, Steve? I think the situation we are in... Um... Steve Bruce was always the wrong choice. And the reason for that is he was in a similar situation at, at, a, at a club where they'd got um, not a particularly enthusiastic and um, uh, and a, sort of a, an owner that was willing to spend much. Um, and he'd failed miserably there, that being Newcastle. Um, he'd also failed at Aston Villa. And... He was never the right choice for us. Having said that, what do we look for in a new manager? Well, what we need is we know we haven't got a great deal of money and we know next season we're going to have less money. So therefore, we need a the, the right sort of manager with the right sort of connections. And in in addition to that, they have to be they have to have a characteristic about them as inspirational. We have to choose an, a manager now that has got uh, a wonderful personality uh, and one that can inspire footballers. Uh, because there are good qualities in this squad. We do have players who could put us in a situation where we can mount a promotion challenge. Um, whether it be this season or next, because Steve Cooper did it for Nottingham Forest uh, in, a, in, a, in a situation where I think they were even worse off than us, but certainly something very, very similar. And he got them promoted by the playoffs. Yeah. Um, well, having done that, I, I think he could probably do it for us. But I think we might be struggling with Steve Cooper because he's used to, he's now possibly one of the managers that might be on the radar of one or two other failing um, Premier League sides. Yeah. So that's what we're up against now. Our situation has changed. So therefore, what I'm saying is, is you're not wrong to be looking in the direction that you are, Mike, to be honest with you. Um, and they, we'd better hurry up with getting hold of one of these managers. If it's one of the three that you mentioned, fine. Um, because you said something which was key to this is they're going to look at West Bromwich Albion as an opportunity for progression. Well, if if they're not quick about it, we're not going to look like that. No. Because we're going to be in League One, and we might be a big club for League One, but with the owners that we've got, and their track record whilst owning West Bromwich Albion, isn't going to inspire any manager to come to us. And if we haven't got any money either, we can't even persuade them with a decent wage packet. So we need we need to act and we need to do something and we need to have a mission and a plan and some ambition. Um, I do wonder whether or not we've uh, we've got the the ownership on the board to actually do that. Um, so I think our only option now is to go for a manager who is managing at a lower level than we are used to. Uh, 
and we have been used to for the last decade uh, because I think probably it's our only uh, our only option. Um, we the last time we were in a situation like this was um, when Mexican. Paul Thompson became the chairman and 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 Megson came in. I understand what John was talking about when he was talking about about that. Um, we need that type of manager. We need somebody who's got an idea of how to construct a team or or, or change change the personnel around in an effective way. But as you've mentioned, three uh, three managers there and. Usually, my uh, my reaction to Darren Moore would be, you should never go back, because we've done it on a couple of occasions, um, to no avail, really. Uh, I remember Johnny Giles coming back for a second, uh, a second stint, which didn't work, um, and and I remember um, one or two situations where it was considered, uh, but it was never 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 actually done because of that. But I think if if we went for Darren Moore. Um, I think there's a, there might be, I know Darren Moore's a real gentleman, but I think there might be a little bit of bad blood. Um, I think he might remember the way he was treated the last time, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about him, but the other two could be, could be, um, candidates. Feeling behind Darren Moore, because firstly, I love Darren Moore, I think he's great. But also, you look at how he galvanised us when we were in the Premier League and he almost kept us up. Had we have not hired Pardew and sacked Pulis and gone for Darren Moore, he probably would have kept us up. And I feel like back then, we had a team that was had decent players in it, but for whatever reason, weren't gelling and weren't pushing to try and stay up. And I just feel like we're in that situation now. We have a good team on paper. I know people try and dispute that and say... But if you look at, you know, our team, there should be at least a mid-table championship side in there, if not better. There should be a playoff side in there, really, not a 20, 22nd in the in the championship side. And I think that Darren Moore would be able to do that. But yes, you know, there might be bad blood there. I think he was treated poorly the last time. It was a bit surprising he was sacked when he was, so... Yeah, but those are those, those sort of the managers I was thinking of. And I think the other thing that made me go for McKenna is the fact that obviously he's been an ex-Man United coach, so he'd have good links there, you'd have thought. So, you know, I think clubs like ourselves really can thrive with loaning out youngsters of these big teams. And you'd think, well, if there's a if there's a relationship there with himself and Man United, we might be able to get a couple of players on loan. But that was my thinking anyway. And like I said, yeah. I wanted to do something different than the usual, you know, I think managers. one contribution, because you did ask me if, if I thought of anybody, um, and it's not because it's an original thought from me. This is I've seen this. I've seen this. His name mentioned a couple of times. Darren Fletcher. Um, I don't know whether that's a good choice or not, but there are certain aspects of of, of him if he was decided upon to come in. Um, is certainly his, his connections and uh, the people that he knows within the game. Um, are outstanding as far as that's concerned, and uh, and I think um, as far as being a captain's concerned for for us, um, I think he was very good uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, but his his inspirational qualities are a little bit unknown to me. But I, he's he's one one name that could be put forward into a short list certainly to be spoken to. Um, but I, you know. Who's going to speak to him? Is it going to be Gourlay? Um, 
are they going to have another yet another CEO? What how many we had um, under under lie? Is it four CEOs we've had? Something um, like that. I think it's six six managers in it and four CEOs, uh, and none of them are, none of them have been in a position where we've done any good. So I don't know. I, we need we we need to identify and get in um, a young, hungry, ambitious uh, young manager who can who can obtain the right sort of people uh, to come on loan. Uh, because we we are now in a situation where we haven't got any money to spend and next season we're going to have less uh and at the moment we're banking on our owner actually honoring uh a pledge to pay some money back well i'm not in a situation where i'm confident as far as that's concerned either so it's a little bit difficult to to sort of talk um and to see to see how we're going to get players next season other than by these desperate means that we've uh, we've been doing it uh, after the window closed this season. Yeah. Um, so let's move into have your say. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where I put a post on social media asking you guys what you thought. I so have to apologise. I did put this out before, after the Swansea game, before the Preston game. But I felt like they're very relevant now. And also, um, they also share a common theme, which I think we're all thinking now. So firstly, let's go to the Twitter side of thing. Um, and it's uh, Richard at Acti Richard. Thank you very much for your comment. He said, "Who will be the next manager?" Would be a good topic. Um, I think we've talked about that sort of. Like I said, I think I've put my suggestions forward, and so have you. And I think the main thing is get rid of Bruce. But once that happens, it's obviously important that we need to get the right person in. This is this is the last roll of the dice. I feel like for ourselves, I feel like this is our probably last opportunity before we go into really struggling to get make the right decision if we don't i'd like to say i do really feel for or worry for what might happen going forward honestly i seriously think that if we don't get the next one right the man the entire club yeah. could be in real jeopardy yeah uh so mark double double seven wba so mark seven seven wba he said, another dull day, lads. Not sure what there is to discuss. <laughs> the rubbish football. We can always discuss that. Um, at young ad underscore five, thanks for your comment. He said, are we out of the manager merry-go-round managers now? Are we on to an older merry-go-round manager names like David O'Leary, Alan Kerbishley and Martin O'Neill? Or why did everyone... Everyone used to say Sam Johnston was rubbish um, and that button would play each game button couldn't catch a cold yeah he's right I, I mean if i'm honest with you i don't think sam johnson was a particularly good goalkeeper i think he's a good shot stopper but you said last week the judge of a good goalkeeper isn't really being a shot stopper because that is almost comes with the territory of being a goalkeeper i know that david button is rubbish but most goalkeepers as you said are good shot stoppers. The thing that sets them apart from being a good goalkeeper to a great goalkeeper is being able to command the box, being able to go and get crosses, to be able to, you know, make sure, give their defence that reassurance that they'll be there when needed. Um, a goalkeeper, so, yeah. a, a big part of a goalkeeper's job is to be good in such a way that he frees his defenders to do what they need to do 
with confidence. It, if if a centre half is in two minds about whether or not he's going to commit to a a header because of a ball coming in, then he's going to be more confident in doing so if he knows that if if it's if he messes it up that the goalkeeper is going to be there. Um, to ensure that a goal's not scored, or if a corner's coming in, if the centre halves are are confident that the goalkeeper will catch the ball if it's within certain parameters, then they know if it's outside of those parameters, it's their responsibility. Um, well, I mean, a, a clear case in in point was Button missing that one for the first goal. Uh, it was a situation there where it was clearly his ball uh, and the centre-halves would be anticipating him taking that and he didn't. And so now that throws the entire centre of that defence into chaos uh, because they don't know what's going to happen next. Well, that, and that, that's what any goalkeeper needs to be. And we haven't had that sort of goalkeeper since since Ben Foster, really. Um, we, OK, you know, in, in many ways, Johnson was OK, but uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't a patch on... Uh, on Ben and um, and Button isn't a patch on on Johnston. No, we're sort of getting worse and worse as we go. Um, so let's go on to our next comment. Um, Shropshire Jacks at Shropshire Jacks. Thanks for your comment, a Swansea fan. He said, "Just get rid of Bruce. We aren't great, but you are in a little bit of trouble in terms of style of play." And I agree. And uh, and thank you very much for your comment. I also want to thank. Uh, the Swan cast for having me on. Uh, we discussed the game beforehand. Um, and I said that we'll probably concede early. Um, and we did. But no, it's good to chat to him and and, uh, and good luck with the rest of the season for Swansea. Um, Enob, thank you for your comment. He said, folks are going to go into meltdown after that result, Mike. If Bruce does go shortly have the ball got a plan to push the push the boat out for once and capture a quality proven manager who can get this squad winning butter must be dropped immediately too well the one thing that steve bruce did do well yesterday was he dropped button finally um and the other thing i wanted to say as well actually i want to that's a good point for enob and i want to sort of um add to it a little bit the only way that I can see that Ron Gourlay could come out of this with any sort of, you know, praise or just not being the worst CEO ever is that, is he keeping Bruce around because he's waiting for someone like a Steve Cooper to become available? Is he sort of, have they sort of agreed that it's time for him to step aside and he's going to step aside once the right candidate has been brought in? Because there's no point sort of sacking Bruce now just to sort of go through a mad scramble and trying to find a manager because we've done that plenty. So you'd hope that behind the scenes, maybe that's happening. But after seeing how we've been recently, I feel like I'm giving them way too much credit. That's the optimistic view, Mike. And yeah. you would hope that that's what's happening. You would hope that they've got a target manager. You would hope that it's the right sort of manager. And and yeah, it. As I've said, it's the optimistic view. Uh, I'm not confident about it, to be honest. No. Um, so Brian Davies, thank you for your comment. He said, I don't know how Bruce keeps picking button unless he wants the sack and another payoff. 
like I said, he this like this was before the Preston game, and thankfully to drop him. And hope that's the other thing as well. I want to say is hopefully now Palmer gets a good run in the side because he did nothing poor yesterday. Um, I think, like I said, the goal wasn't his fault, um, and I, I'd like to see him start from now on. We've quite clearly seen the button is not a good goalkeeper. I, if I'm honest with you, I'm amazed that he's had as many appearances as he had, considering how poor he is. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Palmer should be starting every game unless injured. There's no excuse for Palmer not to play the next game and the one after that. Um, because if, if Button's had that many games in and being as poor as he has, then I would reckon Palmer's got, well, he should be guaranteed the next six to seven games um, just to see what he's like over a period of time. Because yeah. Button's had a load of time and we know now what he's like. Uh, well, it's time for, for Palmer to uh, to take his opportunity and, and I don't think he did himself any harm at all um, last night and um, and I think he des- he's deserved and earned his opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark Davies, thank you for your comment, Mark. He said, only one topic, one win in 11 matches, hashtag Bruce out. Uh, and uh, Padge also said, uh, Bruce out, otherwise nailed on relegation. Couldn't agree more with either. Um, it's and it's what well, I mean. Like I said, this is all. It's one league in tw- one winning twelve matches now. So yeah, it's just not good enough. Uh, let's move to the Facebook side of things. Well, then, can uh, I just say the last two yeah, games? Yeah. The last two games have convinced me now that we are in a relegation fight. Oh, absolutely. There's no way you can look at it any other way. I mean, him going. These, these last two games. These last two games have um, well, they've dotted the i's and crossed the t's for me. We are yeah. in a relegation uh, battle. Yeah, like I said, you know, Bruce talking about going on runs and all that, and we're nearly there. It's just ridiculous. Um, so anyway, let's move on to the Facebook side of things. So Dennis Harrison, thank you very much for your comment. Dennis, he said Bruce has to go and go quickly, and if Palmer is not good enough to get the gloves, then find somebody to replace Bewildered Button or pull Josh Griffiths back from Pompey. Absolutely. I, I still think we should pull Josh Griffiths back from from Pompey. I want to see him get his opportunity. For me, Button should be the third goalkeeper, let alone the second. He's just he's just not good enough. He's just not good enough. I, I honestly believe like I could do a better job in goal. He was just awful. Anyway, uh, Gary Mander, uh, he said, is it too late to start support? So it's too, too late in my life to start supporting Man City. <laughs> um you know you wouldn't want to support them, really, Gary. Why would you want to? What? The, the pure joy that we all get from being Albion fans. <laughs> uh, There's nothing to stop you watching another team and enjoying them and enjoying watching them play, Gary. Yeah, uh, that's it, true. It, it, nothing, but you, it isn't us giving you permission to do it, mate. You just won't be able to. Yeah, no, you won't. It's... Uh... Unfortunately, we're West Brom fans for life. Um, so, Lewis Wilson, thank you for your comment, Wilson. Uh, Lewis Wilson, sorry. Uh, I've been on the fence, Bruce in or out. Well, I think maybe time. Uh, we persist with a goalkeeper who can't do the basics right. Four shots on target, three goals conceded again. Again, beaten at the near post. Again, can't command his penalty area and flaps at crosses. What has Palmer got to do to get a game? I just think we've gone backwards this season rather than forwards. The blame should should surely be blamed on Bruce uh, as managing an underperforming team. Pierce for his shambles in the transfer market, Gawley for his lack of communication and life of fleecing the club. So we've 
we've our hands are tied to invest total shambles all round. And that's something else actually I wanted to talk about. And thank you for your sort of prompting me to say this, Lewis. You look at Bruce and, the, you know, uh, the sort of people who were defending him and, uh, you know, there's not many now, if, if any at all, really, were saying things like, um, oh, you know, he had a, a poor transfer and he hasn't got the squad to work with. But the thing is, though, Steve Bruce has made his decisions. You know, we are really poor defensively now and we are really poor up front. But that's Steve Bruce's decisions. You know, he let Keypre go out on loan. He's doing well at Cardiff. He's let Caleb Taylor go out on loan. He's doing very well in League One. He sold Callum Robinson. I'm not saying that it was a bad decision to sell Callum Robinson, but he left uh, left us short because of it. So we haven't got him. And he let Andy Carroll go, who, you know, I think anyone who listens to this podcast know that I think that was a poor decision. So you can't, I don't feel like you can say, oh, well, you know, Steve, he, Uncle Steve, he... He's been dealt a bad hand because, for me, he can't judge a player. He's he's sort of his appraisal of players is horrendous. He thinks that David Button's a, a goalkeeper when he's not. Like I already said about Taylor Gardner Hickman being a right back. He's not, and he's let probably our best centre half in Caleb Taylor go out on loan, and uh, one of our better players at the end of last season in Andy Carroll, who's the seemed like one of the only ones who actually cared. He's let him go. And now we've got two wingers who are playing really well, crossing the ball in with no one to cross to. So, it, you know, I think a lot of blame has to be pointed at Bruce, as well as obviously the off-field problems we've got as well. Lewis is spot on. Um, I can't, I can't disagree with with anything that he said in his. Uh, no, it was very good comment. Uh, you know, he's absolutely right, um, and a very astute set of observations they are, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I heard as well, or I read that um, Kipre's gone to Cardiff on loan, and we haven't even got a recall um, option on him. Uh, if that's true, that's a disgraceful piece of uh, negotiations, uh, and again, probably done in desperation because we needed we need him off the wages, yeah. and that's the situation. That's why I fear for the future of the club, because if we're negotiating things like that, it's it's it means that we're willing to let one of our players go for the whole season um, without a recall because we need the money more than we need him back in the possibility that we get too many injuries. Uh, Writing's on the wall, I'm afraid. It is. Um, So next one, Mark Stevenson, big friend of the show. Thank you for your comment, Mark. He said, actually, I've got to be honest with you, everyone's a big friend of this show. Like The people that comment... I'm so grateful. It's so nice to sort of like, you know, people really interacting with the podcast. So you're all big friends of the show and I really appreciate it. So thank you, everybody. Um, so anyway, so, so back to Mark's comment. He said, pretty obvious the main topic is to get rid of Bruce. His stats are abysmal. Yes, he and his staff will need paying off. But this is shocking. And then to put it mildly, got to be a young, hungry manager in the lower league that has tactical awareness and better management skills. If he's not gone by Monday, dot, 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 question mark. Yep, I completely agree. Another great comment and, and something that I share that we need to look for that sort of lower league managers to step up. Spot on again. I mean, yeah, you, and I echo your um, your thoughts just before that as well, uh, Mike. Uh, 
it, it is good to it, it's good to interact with people on the pod uh, who listen to the podcast because uh, I mean, let's face it, it's it's the food that we uh, that we live on. To be honest with you, you know, yeah. it gives us things to comment on and talk about. And uh, and I think to be honest with you, the, at the moment, the only functioning part of West Bromwich Albion is the support yeah. because the support is outstanding for West Bromwich Albion. Uh, and it has been for as long as I've been alive, to be honest with you, which is fair while. Uh, and it, it's gratifying, actually, that people actually write in um, to communicate with us in particular. So uh, from me as well, uh, thanks a bunch. So Bradley Hessen, thank you for your comment, Bradley. Uh, see, the manager has has. Sorry, I'll start again. The manager has to be a big talking point. Also, changing the squad round, i.e., formation. Like many of us, we've had enough of Bruce. Let's rewind twelve months ago to start last of last season before Dowling was sent on his way. Part Dowling's role was to find a manager. He found Chris Wilder. He even said when Big Sam was in charge that they have found someone perfect for the role, but Loy soon brushed that under the carpet and sacked Dowling. I was very disappointed when Dowling left. Realistically, who do we go for? Dyche is available, but he won't come here. We could potentially go sniffing in League One or League Two for a potential manager. I'm not sure, but what I do do know is something needs to be done. And um, something else, I wanted to make an observation, and thank you very much for your comment, Bradley. But and I, I know people are oh, not again, but I wonder... If you swapped Bruce's and Val's uh, appointments over, so you had, as, as soon as we come out of the Premier League, you hired Steve Bruce, you sacked him, and now he had Val. I wonder if Val would have got more time and may have, I mean, like I understand the criticism of Val. Me and John had our battles over and over again about him. But I just wonder, had it been the other way around, would things be a little bit different now? I think I might have said something not dissimilar to that at some stage uh, on on Twitter a while ago. It was, you know, uh, would um, if we'd known at the time that uh, Val was 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 considered to be substandard, if we'd known what would happen next, yeah, uh, a crystal I think ball. He'd definitely have stayed, wouldn't he? So, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, and uh, you know. It does. It doesn't work in reality, does it? But yeah, yeah. It's a good question. It's an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to think about. But what are you? And what's your thoughts about Wilder? Like, obviously, I know he didn't do particularly well at Middlesbrough, and he's just got the sack actually. Um, but a team that's actually above us now. Um, well, uh, Chris Wilder did did wonderfully well at Sheffield United to get them promoted and to set them on the way, if you like. Um, but he made a disastrous signing in Brewster. Uh, yeah. Because he, he's, he's, he scored what a handful of goals for them after costing them 30 million quid from Liverpool. Mm, which um, is surprising because he did well for Swansea. Well, he, 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 yeah, he did well for Swansea and he did well in the, uh, in, in the, younger, the younger age groups. Yeah. But he never did it senior wise at Liverpool um, because he was loaned out. And so, so I don't know. And I, I can understand why. Um, Perhaps somebody like Wilder would go for him, but if you're going to pay thirty million quid for a player, um, he, he's got to do better than Brewster has. So, uh, yeah, I was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy when he was kicked to the side uh, by Lie, but I think probably that was to do with the fact that it was Lie that did it. Um, I'm not sure that 
that he'd have, he'd have been any better for us, to be honest with you, than he was at Middlesbrough. I, I don't know. We'll never know. Um, but certainly, uh, it's... I wouldn't go. What I'm trying to say is that I wouldn't go for Wilder if if we if we get rid of um, Steve Bruce. Uh, I don't I don't think he's the answer. I think I think he's um, he's not the right man for us. I think what we need is somebody far younger and and hungrier uh, because they do say that it's always worthwhile having uh, somebody in as your next manager who's got local knowledge of where you might be. Uh, so League One. Manager, <laughs> it's probably apt in these circumstances. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Uh, so let's move on to Richard Plant. Uh, he said Townsend at centre back? Question mark. Um, I've been really disappointed with Connor Townsend. I know that he's played okay at centre half, um, but at left back he's been awful, and he's been a real disappointment this year. Um, so for me, I'm I'm sort of questioning whether he should even be in the team. I thought Peters did well at left back um, with a sort of couple of games he's played. So I'm not really sure that Towns. I think I feel like Townsend needs a little bit of what Jake Livermore's had, that sort of being dropped. I mean, Jake Livermore's been excellent. I thought yesterday he played really well when he came on. I was surprised that he didn't start. Um, and I feel like Townsend might need that little bit of treatment of, look, mate, you're not indispensable. We've got other options. I think um, I think Jake Livermore's performing surprisingly because. Uh, it, it, it coincides almost exactly with uh, because you flew coming to yeah. the club, uh, and and I agree. now Eric Peters is with us as far as the left back's concerned. It'd be nice if Connor Townsend wasn't a centre half and he was having to compete for his left hand, uh, his left back yeah. um, position because we might get the same response from him. You never know. Uh, but of course, ever since Eric Peters has been with us, he's been he, they've been he's been trying to play centre half. Uh, well. Whether or not he's been sort of semi-adequate, he's not. He's not a centre half. It, it, it's no good looking at, at him as the remedy for the fact that we've got no centre halves. Because the reason we've got no centre halves is because Uncle Steve sent two of them out on loan, and we've got one that seems to be well uh, injured, shall we say? So, you know, yeah, yeah we should have centre half at centre half. You know, that's a yeah. novel idea. Let's do it. Stop talking these crazy tactics, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> centre half and centre half. That'll never work. Um, so let's talk. Uh, let's uh, Chris Sheldon, thank you for your comment. He said, obviously, the penalty situation and something um, about penalties, actually. I mean, we just got Scarlet Ground earlier. But the referee has been so poor. I'm not making excuses for C. Bruce. I, I think that's quite clear at this point. But the referee has been terrible. Like we had another penalty yesterday. Dean Garner got brought down. And it was a blatant penalty. And I've just got to say that the, the standard of refereeing the championship is absolutely horrendous. I understand that, you know, it might be a difficult job, but they get paid really well to do their job and make decisions. And oh, it, it's just really poor. I think. I believe that these referees at EFL standard are coached. Uh, to the nth degree. Uh, to portray a certain role on the pitch. Uh, and, I, and I think throughout the game, to me, it, it's it's difficult to sort of, it's difficult to, to understand exactly why they're doing the sorts of things that they are. Um, they get, they obviously they'll get, they'll get uh, decisions correct. 
Uh, and of course, they'll they'll get the odd decision incorrect. Well, there are three referees on the pitch. There's the main one and there's two assistants. These assistant referees never seem to contribute to a situation where there's a key decision that needs correcting. Um, so they're mic'd up. They, uh, they should be able to communicate with each other. And if there's a blatant penalty and the referee doesn't get a perfect view of it, then why are these other two not, not contributing? I, I think it's the key decisions that they're getting wrong as far as we are concerned. They're the ones that we're noticing most, of course, and, and that's, that's to be expected. Uh, but yeah, they're getting quite a few decisions wrong. Um, but it's the key ones. You need to get them right. Uh, it's not acceptable to get them wrong. And so when people are in the box, um, when, I, when attacking players are in the box, that is when both the referee and the appropriate assistant referee take real notice. And if it's, I don't care about disagreement. I don't care about having to go and consult the linesman because we don't see that happen very often anymore, do we? I know they're no. mic'd up, but and so they should know. But what what we should see is a a, a an assistant referee oh, uh, uh, contributing to the, a referee changing his mind. And when I see that, I'll start to be convinced that there can be effective refereeing of, of EFL games. At the moment, I'm not convinced at all of that. Um, so let's move on to Michael's series comment. Thank you for your comment, Michael. He said, sad thing for me is it's not a surprise we lost. Uncle Steve does all the scripted manager talk before the game. The breakers done the boys good, blah, blah. Absolutely rubbish. Him and his son and anyone connected to him should be sacked now, not next week, not tomorrow, now. Even after watching Galbion for many, many years, defeats like this still mess up my weekend. Maybe I should become like the owner and stop caring. Come on, you baggies. And... Something else, actually, Michael made a good point and it's just prompted a thought in my head. So, you know, Steve Bruce, he, he just says the same things over and over again. It's like... Almost like cliche. Yeah, and that's why he's called Uncle Steve, isn't it? You know, because he says lovely yeah. things about everybody. And I just wonder, how inspiring can his pre, mid and post-match talks be? Because all he does is regurgitate the same thing over and over and over again to the press. I understand he might think, oh, it's the press, it doesn't matter, I'm just, you know, filling up time. And it's an obligation that I have to do. But sure, like you look at Steve Bruce, and if he says it like this to the press, you must think, well, what's he saying at the start of the game? You know, come on, lads, we can do you this. To the players, aren't you? I think, yeah. I think that's a key. That, that's, well, that, that's, that's key. It, it, the way he talks when he's on camera, and, and under a little bit of pressure. Presumably, the way he talks, uh, well, obviously, with a few expletives thrown in, I suppose, and a little bit more honest when he's with the players, but he's, it, it's, it's patently obvious that he's not inspiring them to perform at a higher level. He's just not doing it. So, and by now, how many games has he had? 30, did you say? Something like that, 30, 31 games, somewhere around and he's, there. And, he, and he's won at eight. Well, that shows you how inspirational a bloke this is. It's it's a spent force, a squeezed lemon, as I said before. You know, he needs to go. We need we need better. So, last couple of comments before we go into the Luton game. Um, so, first one is from Adam Townsend. Thank you for your comment, Adam. He said, "I think if Bruce isn't gone by the next match, it shows what sort of ambitions we actually have." 
I've seen some Facebook pages, a few defending him and saying we believe we have a divine right to Premier League football. Nonsense. I started watching us in the Buckley era when it wasn't true. It was truly bad. We now have owners slash owner who really knows that care less for us than Tony Hale did back then. If Bruce fails, which he is doing, and we fall further, what then? The money we stand to lose is huge. We'd likely see the ground sold. I don't believe a word they say. Let me put them brackets. Uh, we'd seen we we'd see better players sold for peanuts. We've seen our better players sold for peanuts, and we'd see the club sort of club saying we can't afford any new ones. I want Bruce out, not because I believe we have a divine right to Premier League football, but because I can see where this is going. If we hold on with Bruce, and it does, um, and it does inevitably fail, one win in eleven is unacceptable. And like I said, I think it's one win in twelve now. Um, I agree, we've played better under Bruce than we did under Val, but let's be honest, that wasn't hard to do. And I even think we've been unlucky with several decisions, but it's results business, and his results aren't good enough. I'm going to say that's a great comment. Thank you very much, Adam. He's correct, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and, he is. And, and one thing we don't want to do is drop into League One because the most important person to get out of our club is Guo Chen Lai. And we aren't going to do that. Or it's going to be much, much more difficult to do that if we drop out of the championship. And so we need to stay there. Um, so we need to get rid of Steve Bruce. Um, because of the situation that exists financially, uh, he's not putting money in to the club lie. He's taking it out. It's proven. Uh, it's not an opinion. It's fact. He's missing dates at which to pay back the money so that if it had been paid back, and I'm, when I say paid back, I don't mean by way of dividend. No, I'm actually putting the money back in the club. I, I mean... Yeah, reinserting it into a transfer kitty um, so that the club can actually benefit from the money it has earned, not yeah. somebody, another company benefiting from the, the money that, that our football club has, has earned. Uh, and so we need, to, we need to address the, even the faint possibility of us dropping into League One because if we are if we are in League One, it's going to be more difficult to get ourselves bought. You look at Sheffield Wednesday, uh, a huge club um, of the past. I remember them um, even before their the Trevor Francis uh, managed incarnation when they were in the top division the last time. I think um, they they they're they're languishing and they show no signs of uh, although you know. I know that they're better now than they have been for some time. Darren's there at the moment. Um, I um, I, th I fear we could be in their situation where we're out of the top flight for a damn sight longer than the 16 years we were out of it before the first time we got promoted into the Premier League under uh, Gary Mason. So we need to do something. We need we need to do something quickly, and we need to make the right decisions. And I, I fear that those right decisions are. Uh, well beyond the, the sort of personnel that we've got uh, to make them. Yeah. Um, so uh, Dean Whitehouse uh, said dog poo didn't deserve the points. 
Yeah, it's been pretty poo. Um, Jeff Banks, how did how bad must Palmer and Griffiths actually be? Um, well, to be honest with you, judging by Steve Bruce's judge of players, they're probably well. Griffiths is probably world class. <laughs> um, Mark Stevens said, "I think we we can stop calling him Uncle Steve." <laughs> we'll never stop calling him Uncle Steve um, because, well, maybe we will. He's just not our he's just not our favourite uncle anymore. No, no, no. I think uh, what Jeff what Jeff was saying um, bears a comment from me. Uh, it, it's plainly obvious that uh, Palmer isn't as bad uh, uh, as perhaps um, Buttons' continued um, selection uh, hinted, because yeah. uh, he, he did come in last night and he did well. So uh, he, he's he's better than um, than perhaps was anticipated. And like I said, I'll reiterate, uh, he deserves, I'd give him the next 10 games um, and say, look, while I'm the manager, he ain't going to have 10 games, please God. But um, under normal circumstances, if I was the manager, I'd say you've got the next 10 games, so let's see what you can do. Yeah. And then last comment before we go into the Luton game, David Reason. Um, he said, how can a manager with Bruce's record still be in a job? Is it because we can't afford to pay compensation if we sack him, or is it because he's big mates with Gourlay? I, I don't know if it's a combination of the two, um, but I just feel like whatever reason he needs to go. I feel, if I'm honest with you, if I can predict something, I feel like they'll both go. I feel like Gourlay is quite clearly a one-trick pony. He's come in and he just watched Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce has failed, so Laurent Gourlay has failed, and I just think they'll both end up going because. You know, I mean, this is the thing I want to tell you about Gourlay, and I know that when I first sort of said that Reading fans warned us about him, Gourlay out, so I got some criticism, and that's fine. Um, you know, saying, well, he's done positive things. For me, the two positive things he's done is he reduced the season ticket prices and he brought back fan zone, which is what we already had anyway. And a lot of people have said that fan zone is quite disappointing. Uh, some people have said to me on social media that go um, attend uh, all the home games, said that it's quite disappointing. Um Besides that, what's he done? We've had a shambles of a um, a transfer deadline day. Like I said, the academy's you know not doing particularly well. He, uh, for me, I just think both of them need to go. Um, and yeah, what's what's your thoughts on that before we go into the looting game? Well, if 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 they both go, then they've both got to be replaced, um, which perhaps sounds a bit obvious, but. Once again, who's going to replace them? Who's going to be the ones that make the decisions to replace not only the manager, but also the CEO? Who's going to come in in their place? And, and where are they going to get their net? The, the people who make the decision to replace the CEO, where do they get their knowledge from? Where do they get their experience from? And where do they get their nous from to make the right decision about who's going to be a good, a good CEO? Um, because they are the key problem with the club, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm talking about the owners now. Yeah, yeah. All, they, all all roads lead back to the owners. Absolutely. Well, it, no. But what I'm saying is, it, if we're going to replace not only the manager but also the CEO, that takes mm-hmm. out the whole of the football side of the of the uh, of the management structure. Yeah, you're left with Ken and Lai, aren't you? And who else? Sort of. Well, there's decisions a, again. the financial. There's the financial um, director. His name Stuart something. I can't. If his name escapes me for the moment, but there aren't that many directors anyway. So I just, I think under those circumstances, um, 
if they if they do get rid of both of them together, or they both resign, uh, then Lloyd had better uh, prove to be way way better than he appears to be, because that that could be um, well, it could be the best thing that happens in the world, or or it could accelerate our um, our downward curve to uh, well to a very very dark place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's go into the looting game briefly. So um, I think with Steve Bruce in charge, we'll probably lose. And I'm sorry to be so negative, but I can't see any other result. It, 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 nothing, I just can't see anything's going to change. What do you think? I think what we need to do is play a team where there are centre-halves playing at centre-half, there are full-backs playing at full-back, that we play with one defensive midfielder and then we put as much creativity into our midfield as possible with instructions to go forward to get the ball to into, into uh, yes and, and bta has got to be the one that's that's there i don't do want grant do you think oh. that would work though because we did tried that under swansea didn't he played with four attack midfielders in rogic Swift, Diangana and Wallace, and it was it was poor. So do you think sort of going attacking again would work? I think, I mean, if if Rogic is not fit, and I don't think he was when he played that game, um, so the, the the person that Celtic uh, fans on Twitter were saying was an excellent player, and they were sorry to see him go, just didn't look like anything really. Um, I hope that that was his fitness. Uh, if he's not fit to do the job, then he shouldn't be picked. Um, and I think I think we have got. I mean, TGH can do a good job in the centre of midfield. Uh, yes, he, great point. He should is, be in place uh, in midfield. I would I would have him in in um, in midfield, um, playing just in front of. Um, well, Jake Livermore is the one I'd play at the moment because he's he's playing better than Yokozlu was. Uh, so and then I'd have him play slightly in front. There's sort of the link between the defensive side of the uh, of the team and the attacking side of the team, because when when we were watching him play central midfield previously, his thoughts were forward. His his, na his natural default was go forward, go forward, go forward. Yeah, of course he would play sometimes um, if he was in a hole, he'd play it back or sideways. But he's, you could see that the the kid was playing with a bit Positive, of free. yeah. And he was positive. His, his first thought was forwards. Well, I'd have him in there for a start. And and Rogic, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd want him fit first before I'd put him in again because he was disappointing the first time I saw him. Swift's been disappointing. Um, I, I think last night he was um, not on the, up to the mark again, to be honest with you. So what we need to do is, is find form players and play them. And play him a pro, pro he's because I'm I'm on I'm in your on your side as far as TJ is, is concerned. It's he may or may not be a right back, but certainly he is a damned good central midfielder. So that's what I'd do. I, I wouldn't play two defensive midfielders. I'd play one, and I'd go out there and try and dominate position and, and score a few goals. But we've got to get these forwards, and BTA will, I think. I don't think he's going to take much persuading to get in the box, drive into the box. And I'd like to see Wallace doing it a bit more often. We, I mean, we've talked in the past about swapping wings. But I'd like to see that happen during the game. Um, like I said then, 
we we need to be we need to be flexible. We need to be versatile in our attacking football, and we need to be resolute in our defence. So the the attacking players need to switch on to their responsibility when we ain't got the ball. Yeah. And yeah, of course. And, and and if I was in front, if I was in the dressing room talking to them, for a start, well, they'd completely bloody ignore me because I'm a nobody. But the, the, what I would be saying to their deaf ears probably is what I've just been saying to to you. You know, you've all got responsibilities. You've you've all got attacking responsibilities. You've all got defensive responsibilities, and and I'm watching. So let's get out there and let's let's enjoy it and let's and let's do our job. But let's do all of our job, not just fifty percent of it. Yeah. Uh, and and that's where I'm coming from as far as our team's concerned. Yeah, good points. Um, so thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um. I actually want to make a special request if people wouldn't mind before going into sort of our social media links and accounts. And if you really enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend. If you've got a fellow Albion fan um, and they think they might enjoy the podcast, please share it with them because, you know, it's really great. And we're really grateful for the listeners we have. And there's always room for more. And there's, oh, we really enjoy having the conversation with you guys. So, yeah, if you could share it with a friend, that'd be really helpful. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow us on your social media platform of choice, uh, we're on Facebook and we're also on um, Twitter. At Twitter, I am at MikeyWEFC. And on Facebook, if you search for All Things Albion, you'll find us over there. And also another way you can help the podcast, as always, is to subscribe on your platform of choice, whether it be Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you very much for your time, Steve. I know this was going to be a negative one. Um, and I know that we've had to sort of cobble together an episode as best we could uh, with our sort of failing, my failing voice and the failing technology. Um, but yeah, it was good to talk to you, mate. And uh, hopefully Bruce will be gone soon. And so will Gourlay. And so will I. So will Ken. So will Ian Pierce. <laughs> so will everybody, hopefully. The boiler, yeah. man can, the boiler Man can stay. The Baggy Bird can hey. stay. Yeah, boring, 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 boring. <laughs> boring, the only, the only, the only way, the only way is up. I hope. Come on, you guys, <laughs> boing. please. Boing, boing.